The antidote. 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 You're listening to the antidote with Dave Hawkins. With Christian music that doesn't suck. Oh, 
you've tuned in to The Antidote with Dave Hawkins. I've always been a fan of ska, so when I recently received some news flashes about a new album, I knew I wanted to meet with music veterans, the Israelites. Ska has definitely evolved over the decades, and those styles usually end up being labeled as first, second, and third wave. As you'll hear tonight, the Israelites fit squarely into the original Jamaican style of first wave. I had a very long talk with two of the band members, Eric Molina and band founder, Rich Carlstedt. And since we also have lots of music to hear, like our opening song, Heaven Bound, let's jump into the conversation along with the song, Roots. Eric and Rich of the Israelites have come to the antidote for a talk. Good to meet with you guys. Good to meet you too, man. Hello, hello. And Eric, you're the newbie in the band. Yes, sir. Yes. Um, Israelites opened up for, I believe, Scotch Bonnet. It's a band I play with out of Baltimore when we came through Portland. And that's when I started following the page. I talked to Buddy. I didn't talk to you. Buddy's this tenor sax player in Israelites. And we kind of chatted a little bit. And, and that was like 2019. Earlier this year, Rich is posting up, looking to fill out the horn section, get some new people, get someone to help him out on all the back end stuff. Sure. Because it's a lot. Keep stuff going. And uh, and yeah, Rich is older dude working. I'm a younger dude who's kind of just doing the music game. And uh, we figured something out. I came out here and now we've been working together, trying to get active and rocking and touring and, and going. I don't know why, but for some reason, interviewers are never supposed to speak about a band's longevity. But really, in the case of the Israelites, it's important. Now, am I right with this? 1989? Yeah, I was at a Fishbone show in California, and I got called to do this. And uh, the next thing I did was I, I, I thought it would be an impossible thing, but I knew I had to do it. Um, it was a drive. I had to do it. So I talked to my uh, my friend Dave Hawkins. <laughs> <laughs> at church and um we were both youth leaders and uh he was into reggae and stuff and um after i schooled him a little bit we got going on it and we recruited members from our uh youth group and some friends and we had our first practice on halloween night it was a sunday night 1989 i don't know trick-or-treating sounds like a lot more fun yeah <laughs> <laughs> Not my church. We had a Pentecostal church. You didn't do stuff like that. <laughs> that was evil. You know what the other question is? Why do ska and reggae? What was the attraction? Um, I had grown up in the punk scene, and I had a problem with depression and stuff, and um, I needed something that would make me more happy. And a friend of mine took me to, uh, back then the mods were into it too. He was a mod uh and he brought me to a show, and I got into it. And there was no other Christian ska or reggae bands back then. This is like a whole new thing. I said, you know what? Not only could I reach these people, but the music's more positive for me. And it, it snapped me out of all my depression and everything. Because, you know, what you put into your mind comes out. Whatever you think about, that's the person that you are. So I wanted to think more positive and not negative. I want to get into the style of the Israelites, because ska has a lot of different styles. I mean, you've got first, second, and third wave, and it's a bit tough to label the Israelites. You know, it's third wave, but it doesn't really have that punk aspect. 
well, that's the thing. That <laughs> the actual the stuff that we play is authentic Jamaican ska from the '60s. So you can call it first wave or whatever, but that's what we strictly play. Just the original stuff because we want to be authentic as possible because there's more people into that than third wave or anything else. It depends what country you're in, too. Yeah. In the United States, the trad stuff might not be as, as big as the punk stuff, but go to Latin America, go to Europe, and you know, yeah. there's a reason the slackers, the toasters... All these trad-esque bands are out there all the time, you know. Yeah, when we played in Mexico City, they fly us down to play festivals with like three to 10,000 people. And when we walk in, it takes me literally an hour to get from the front door to the green room just to put my guitar down because I get mauled with so many people wanting autographs and interview. And I don't speak very little Spanish. It's just, it's crazy, the love that we get. <laughs> That's yeah, ska festivals outside the country are a different. Huge, because, they're different because traditional ska comes from Latin, blue beat, jazz, um, calypso, and Caribbean rhythms. Mm-hmm. So they fused all those. So Latin is a very strong influence on that, because that's what they listened to in Jamaica in the 60s and the 50s. And that's all they played, because they didn't have their own music until they fused it all together and made, made ska. And so these people, when they hear it, they're like, oh, wow, that sounds like Latin music. Da, da, da. And they just go ballistic. And they can't believe that a bunch of gringos are playing their stuff. I mean, they just, wow, <laughs> this is crazy. You guys even give a bit of the history of ska on the title track of the Roots album. Yeah, it started with a guy named Cox and Dodd. He was a uh, mechanic in Kingston, Jamaica back in 1955, 56. He was about 20 years old at the time. His parents had a liquor store. So after work, he would go up to the liquor store, and he made his own sound system. You couldn't go down to Walmart and buy a record player. They made them themselves, speakers, everything. Then he would play music in the streets, sell alcohol, and the money he made off the alcohol, he built a recording studio. Then he went to the Alpha Boys School, which was a, and he talked to a nun named Sister Mary Grace Ignatius, And she picked out 12 boys for him from her class. And they were probably 15, 16 years old at the time. He wanted to make a music for Jamaica because they didn't have their own music back then. He went in the studio with the drummer Lloyd Nibs. And they went through different rhythms, different rhythms. And they created ska music over probably, it only took them like six months to a year. And then these 12 guys were called the Scottalites. Yeah. They were the first ever band. Then what he did was he had the musicians, he had his studio, and they recorded on a two-track. So when you played, you had to know what you're doing. There was no cutting in, cutting out. So they would play live, and then they would he would go out and find vocalists. And that's how Bob Marley got discovered. He saw Bob Marley playing on the street. He said, hey, you want to record today? Sure. And they went in, and then they would add the vocal track on the second uh, track, mix it, wax it that afternoon on vinyl and then with the money that he made from the recording studio he built a dance hall right next door and they would play it that night and his rival was duke reed who was a sheriff and between both of them the scene exploded over jamaica when they distributed they didn't have cars these guys would put vinyls in bat on egg crates and put them in back of their uh 
bikes and they would literally ride all over Jamaica through the hills and everything to these little record stores and distribute all the music. <laughs> that is so and then wild. From there it went to England and blew up and from England all over the world.
Israelites fit into the subgenre of Christian ska, you know, along with bands like the OC Supertones, the Insiders, Five Iron Frenzy. Is that really the purpose of your band? It's to spread the word? Um, yes, it is. But here's the deal. When we play on stage, we used to do churches. We used to do the whole thing. And when we play now, we go to bars and hell holes. And that's what we've been doing for years. I kind of look at it like this. When Marilyn Manson or a lot of these bands, when they play, do they tell them, hey, you know what? I'm a Satanist rock band. No, he just does his stuff. Then they know who he is, right? Well, that's what we do. I just play my stuff. I don't force quote-unquote religion on anybody. But you don't know how many people come up to me afterwards. And they're like, hey, that was really cool. So what were you talking about here and there? Then they buy the albums. They start listening. They're like, well... I don't really know about this stuff, but man, it's really cool music. And that way you give them a choice instead of like preaching at them on stage. Because I'll tell you right now, the Bible says, preach the gospel, use words when necessary. You know, I guess I should tell you that it was 98 when I first heard the Israelites. And it was on hmm. a compilation called Skanktified. Yeah. It had this great track israelite train but what is it with trains in christian songs i mean bob dylan bruce coburn holy soldier sister rosetta tharp i mean the altar boys the list goes on and on why did you choose it on your song well there's two reasons actually just like i chose the name the israelites in jamaica they just drove around on trains and trains got them to where they were going to be there's constant train songs in jamaican music that's one reason Another reason, a train is like, um, we know as Christians that we're getting out of here really soon, and it's going to be like a train ride, although a lot quicker, and uh, <laughs> depending on which way you, you go, you know? Um, and so, yeah, it's like, we're going to be traveling. We're just traveling through this life. This isn't my home, okay? And I'm not going to be here. I, I know where I'm going. And so, yeah, I, that's the train deal right there. <laughs> <laughs>
From 1998 came Israelite Train from the Israelites. I had a question about Rich's vocal style and how it connected to their song Kingston Sound. Here comes the answer. Well, Portland is a long way away from Jamaica, but on the band's 2006 release, Jamaican Celebration included Kingston Sound. And then you added a Jamaican accent on some of the songs. Yeah. Did you just pick that up when you were visiting Jamaica, or is this from recordings? No, I, I have never been to Jamaica. I've heard horror stories if you're a tourist. You know, when you listen to something for a while and you're really into it, you start singing along to it, and you start picking up the accent. 
you know, I started picking up Patois a little bit here and there. In fact, if you look at our latest release, uh, Shantytown, I'm actually chatting on there. Um, and that comes from actually not just listening to Ska, but one of my favorite bands of all times is Christ of Farai, which is a Christian roots reggae band. And Mark and I, the singer, are very good friends. And he showed me a lot about it. And that's pretty much what I listen to is uh, gospel reggae. Christ Afari, Solomon Jabby, um, just all these bands, and, and they all have that accent. So, you know, I sing along, so you just pick it up, you know? That could be called cultural appropriation. That's yeah, a difficult uh, conversation in the Scott scene, 100%. <laughs> yeah. I, I told Rich that when I learned about that, you know, I'm a young dude. I wasn't even around in 89. So I'm late to the game, but I want to learn and do it right. So in Berkeley, I opened for the Abyssinians. I'd never seen a band with that kind of legacy before in the reggae scene. You know, you see California bands, and it's just not the same, you mm -hmm. know? And when I talked to him, I asked him one question. I said, hey, man, I'm a young guy, and I really like reggae music, and I want to make reggae music. However, like just like you said, we're not from Jamaica. I'm not from Jamaica. And I asked him, how do you recommend I move forward and continue playing reggae music? The singer, Bernard Collins, he said to me, he said, it's all about appreciation and not appropriation. There's a good point. Right? Ever since he said that to me, I just kept thinking about it because it's, it's not about trying to be like, hey, look, we're the new Marlies. No, it's about saying, hey, we see your sound. We see your music. We like it so much that we literally want to sound just like it. Just like it. So I think it comes from that. But I also do see how using that accent can be can be good or bad. Because if you're honoring the original sounds and you're honoring the original roots of the, the music, that's one thing. But if you're using the accent to like play over some rock reggae California sound, hmm. I think that's a different conversation. You know, yeah. so I personally am not the singer. And that's something you can chop up with my man, Rich. Here. Well, to tell you the truth, I, I've had nothing but compliments on it. I've never been blasted for trying to sing with a Jamaican accent because it's not really trying. It's like, well, this if this is the way the music's saying and we're doing this as authentic as possible, then, yeah, what are you going to sit there and say? Rewind a little bit. Remember you talked about Israelite Train? That's going to be our next album. I, we actually just redid that soon. Okay, so we've got something else to look forward to. Oh, no, you don't even understand. <laughs> we're, we're actually going even more crazy now. We're building a recording studio in my garage, and we're going to be recording all our albums on a four-track recorder. We're not going to be going into the studio anymore and paying thousands of dollars. We're going to press two buttons and record right here live. Raw. Hi, I'm Rich. I'm Eric from the Israelites. And we're having a scalicious time on The Antidote.
Now, you touched on something just a moment ago about Restoration Shantytown, because that was in 2019, and you released that full length as Restoration. Now it's being repackaged as Shantytown. What's the reason for the name switch? Okay, without going into a lot of detail, um, it was called that at a request of one of our former members. I did not feel right about it, because... First off, maybe a couple of our Christian fans know what that means. It was just too Christian-y. I don't deny my faith, but this is called undercover Christianity. (laughs) You want to get something that markets people, and Shantytown was the original title, and we already had the artwork done up and everything, but I changed this to make this guy happy. I love the guy, but I regretted it because it didn't sell at all. And I really feel it's because of the title. With it re-released to Shantytown, and a little side thing here too, we're going to be recording two songs just on a digital live, a digital recorder, with the new band. So we're going to add two more songs on. So that's going to be 14 songs going out. And I've taken it down from Spotify and everything because I wanted to come back with something really good. Mm-hmm. And we don't have our studio done yet. So it's just a lot of different things. And we're going to announce a couple shows with it. We're going to do a proper release because most of the bands that released records in 2019, 2020, it just did not work out. Plus, all of our lives were on, on hold because of COVID. Yeah. So it's like those years, we should just erase them, make believe they didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, it's pretended to happen. And just make believe this is 2020, like the next year, because, I mean, that's basically what happened. And, um, yeah, because basically nothing happened in the entire music scene for a year. Oh, yeah. nothing happened anywhere. Except for cover songs. That's Correct. <laughs> we already have all the vinyl ready to go. It's just we're waiting on pressings. There's a vinyl shortage. Like All the, pre- the plants are behind, and even the highest level pop stars are having a hard time getting their stuff printed. So. In fact, a lot of the record labels now, the big labels, are paying extra money to get their stuff done before anybody else. So we probably won't even have that vinyl out for a year and a half, maybe. No, if you have any more trouble, you can blame Adele. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's one of the high-level pop stars I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I got to admit that Shantytown, that's a killer song. And I want to get into the lyrics. It says, the youth are searching and the jails are full. The evil one, he has so much pull. And we keep hoping it'll change someday as we drift into moral decay. Do you guys really think that society is that bad? Oh, yeah. It's gotten worse in the last couple of years. (laughs) I'll I'll tell you about my songs, my music, myself in general. Everything is done through the Holy Spirit. When I play on stage, it's not me playing. Something just gets into me. And when I write songs, I'm, I'm telling you right now, bro, there's been songs that I've had in my head for like two years. And all of a sudden, they pop into my head. Okay, write this one now. And I sit down, I start writing it, and the words are coming so fast from the Holy Spirit that I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like when I wrote the song Fire, I wrote that in 10 minutes. That's amazing. I was driving in my car, I pulled over, and I started writing all the lyrics down as they were coming. And as they were coming, the next sentence was coming, and boom, it was done. Believe it or not, I write a lot of songs when I'm in church. When the Holy Spirit pops something into my mind, I got to do it. So I multitask. I can I can absorb what the pastor's saying while I'm writing down and getting blessed and blessing other people. It's it's crazy. I just can't explain it. 
What about you, Eric? Are you actually well-behaved at church? You know, not like Rich. <laughs> this is going to be a fun story. Well, story time. <laughs> so my parents are from Mexico, and I grew up with Catholicism culturally. But since I kind of stepped back. But when it comes to all this stuff, just like Rich said, like he doesn't push his beliefs on anyone. It's not a requirement. I mean, I've been living in his house, and not once has he been like, you need to do... No, like... He, uh, he doesn't just say that. He does it. So that's, you know, respect right there. And then on top of that, um, earlier this year, I got called and flown out to New York to play with a band that is kind of the... <laughs> Our arch emissaries. <laughs> are, like, I, I want to say, say they're the nemesis. Yeah, I, I would yeah. say just on paper, the opposite of the Israelites. And that band is called Mephiscopheles. And Mephiscopheles is a satanic ska band. <laughs> and yeah the first time me and rich met we we got dinner and we started talking he's like you know i won't push this on you and i said deal that won't make you a satanic person then <laughs> and he, just like he's laughing now we just laughed it off and we, you know it's music it's 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 about the music and e- even in mephiscopheles like they're not saying like worship they're just making cheesy it's a, it's li- a joke yeah it's they're just joke. making cheesy lyrics saying like hey like, it's just like a, what if we could do this kind of thing? And they're like, you know what? Let's try it. The faith and the message in the Israelites tunes are a little bit more, more serious, more like a call to action mm-hmm. where Mephiscopheles songs are about like Satan stealing his weed or a song about bumblebee tuna sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've heard that one, but it goes exactly how you would think. Yum, yum, bumblebee, bumblebee tuna. I love bumblebee, bumblebee tuna. <laughs> So, as you can tell, you know, it's it's a little bit more tongue-in-cheek in that band. I'll, I'll add a couple of things to that. Ironic, <laughs> ironically, I picked up an interview back when we had fanzines. You know, those, those zines were, they were hand-typed, oh, Xerox, yeah. Kinko's, and they were mailed out. It took weeks to get one. You're like, oh, I got my fanzine. Oh, yeah. I was reading this article, and it said, the one question they asked was, do you feel like the Israelites are your arch rivals? And you know what their response was? No, we actually appreciate them and like their music. Oh, that's cool. So this is crazy, but I've been bugging Eric to get a tour with them with us. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to call it the good versus evil tour. But dude, check it out, man. <laughs> People are going to be all up in arms about it. But think of the ministry opportunities, just going up there and playing. And people are going, wait a second. This isn't what it's made out to be. There you go. <laughs>
We just had the title track from the Shantytown release. A seriously great song. But now we move on to one that's genuinely sad. It's not all happy, faith-filled songs on Shantytown. And it also deals with a relationship breaking up on Julie. I'll tell you heart to heart right now, that is the story of my ex-wife and me. It, it's just how I felt about everything and how everything went down. And, uh, you know, I still talk to her and we're good, we're good friends. You know, we have three children together. My twins are 18 and my oldest boy is 21, going to turn 21 next Thursday. Yeah, it's just, it's one of the stories, you know, music is therapy too. It helps you get a lot of things out. But there is also spiritual content into that, too. It talks about divorce and and how evil it is, you know, because God doesn't want us to get divorced unless for sexual impurity. Nowadays, people don't understand what marriage is. Marriage is a covenant. It's a vow. It's not an extended date. You don't just, oh, I'll be married to you for a while, and then, you know, this is something forever. And that's how I felt about it. And I went through a lot of stuff to get over it. And... Believe it or not, it's been 16 years since my divorce, and I still have dreams about still being with her and everything, because that was the person I felt I was supposed to be with, and this whole thing is wrong, and it was totally the devil, it was totally evil. You know, it's a parable of the sower and the seeds. That parable um, talks about every type of person that's in this world. There's people that hear the word, and after a while, they just throw it away. But the person that it gets put on good ground and grows, that's the person right there. But, well, you know, like I said, you know, we talk now and stuff and we're on, we're on good terms. Be mine. 
from the Shantytown release. I guess maybe I should be saying the about-to-be-released Shantytown album. There's no news as of yet to an actual release date, but I guess if you're fired up and need music right now, Restoration and other releases from the Israelites are available on Apple Music. Next week, The Antidote will meet with another music veteran, KL of Bridge Shadows. Their sound is described as industrial gothtronic rock. Tune in to hear how that label definitely fits. Let's hear a bit more of our visit with the Israelites, and we'll also hear how hymns sound with a ska vibe. See you again next week. The biblical Israelites spent 40 years in the wilderness, so <laughs> is the Israelites band going to match that? Um. Well, we've been around 30, what, three years now. Um, I didn't start this just to end it in a couple of years. I'm doing this till I die. My goal is to play my last show, die on stage or afterwards, and till I finish my task. As a matter of fact, I'm nine years away from retirement. I have a 15-year pension from Coca-Cola. I have another 10-year pension coming up from UPS. Um, and I'm doing all of that, not for myself, not so I can go on cruises. You know, I'm doing that because all that money is going to support me because the day I retire, I'm buying an RV and we're going around the country constantly. We're going on tour. If you think we haven't done anything now, wait till I turn 65. And that's why I'm doing a lot of stuff to take care of my health and stuff now. But we're gonna, we're huge. I'll tell you right now, we're huge in Colombia, Brazil, like all over the place. Solomon Jabby, uh, who's a really big in the Christian reggae realm, his wife from Colombia, her first album that she ever bought was The Israelites Wash Away. Oh, my goodness. In Colombia. So these people, I want to go there and play constantly. That's one of the reasons that me and Rich started talking, because I freelance and I started freelancing and I played with a band in Mexico City and started kind of tasting the scene outside the country. I mean, the second you go onto those stages and you see that many people singing along and dancing, those 80-person venues, you know, like, it changes a little bit for you. Even the instrumentals. Um, one of the gigs we played in Mexico, I forget where it was, but we were doing our instrumentals, and they were singing along like it was a soccer game. They were putting their hands up, la, 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 la. I'm talking every single person in the place. Fans in Mexico, they do their homework. They learn the, oh. the lines. They learn the lyrics. They don't know the language, but they'll sing it like as close as they can, and, and, and they they'll will, love it. Even though they don't have a lot of money, they will save their money 
because there's a certain dress to traditional ska. I can get into a whole other realm with this, but basically they save their money and they dress proper, like back in England proper. They order stuff from overseas and they they do their best to come in. You're like, whoa, (laughs) you know, (laughs) because part of respecting the roots is dressing the part as well. I saw a lot of reggae skins, you know, dressed up in the fashion. The reason I don't gravitate towards that is just because I'm late to the game. And the way I want to participate is through my playing. That's for me. But like down there, it was crazy how many just like skinheads there were in Mexico City. I didn't know. I was was pretty blown away. I don't know if you know like the difference and everything. Um, The reggae skins. No, there's absolutely authentic skinheads that came from Jamaican Rude Boys in England in the 60s. And all the Nazi stuff didn't come until 10 years later. So anytime somebody tells you about Nazi skins or anything, dude, they're only 10% of the movement. You know, Sometimes we have to school, especially Christians, on that stuff because they're like, oh, skinheads! Oh my. Yeah, that. Who are you ministering to? <laughs> Eric, Rich, thanks guys so much for coming to the antidote for this talk about the Israelites. Thank you, sure. Sure. Thank you. Thanks for having us.